Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you all. Like Bill said, my name's Andrew. If we haven't got a chance to meet and connect yet, I'd love to meet you after the service. And, and um, if you were here last weekend uh, for Easter, wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't it just wonderful to celebrate Jesus' resurrection together and as a family? It was just a great day. And, and if you were here last weekend, you probably remember that, like uh, Michael mentioned, that we would be starting a new series this weekend. And Bill also mentioned that they're called Empowered. You can see it up there on the screens. We're gonna be exploring the question of who is the Holy Spirit and how are we empowered through him? Because after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to his disciples, to a number of followers, really actually over 500 followers at one point. Uh, and then he ascended back to heaven, but he told everybody, all of his followers to wait. He told them all to wait because he was going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them. And on the 50th day after Easter, the day of Pentecost, penta meaning 50, the Holy Spirit came in a powerful, miraculous way. And so over the next seven weeks, over the next 50 days, until Pentecost weekend, we're gonna dive into talking about the Holy Spirit again, who he is, what he does, and how he wants to empower us and partner with us. And one of the things that I think is really exciting about this series is that the majority of the vineyards around the country are going to be doing this exact same series at the exact same time. Uh, most of the time as vineyards, our series are completely independent and kind of disconnected from each other. But Vineyard USA has asked that the whole vineyard movement consider doing this series together in unity. And, and I cannot wait to see not only what God does in this church, but across the vineyard movement throughout the whole country. And so we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit today, but before I dive in, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Um, we'll just come Holy Spirit. That seems appropriate. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord. Come Lord, help um, just reveal yourself to us. Help us become aware of your power and your presence with us right now in this place right now. So guide our time today. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. So who is the Holy Spirit? I think we have to start with answering this foundational question. Um, and because I think the answer to this question is one that comes with a lot of confusion and a lot of different opinions. I don't know if you remember, a number of years ago, there used to be a talk show, a late night talk show host, Jay Leno. He used to do this segment every once in a while called jaywalking, if you ever watched him, uh, where he would go out in the streets and he would ask random people you know, a question, the same question over and over again, and he would you know, get different responses. Oftentimes they were, they were humorous. And, and similar to that, you know, I want to start by showing a quick video clip from a, a, a course called Alpha. Alpha is designed to help people explore Christianity and relationship with God. And they start every kind of video by asking a question, uh, the question of, of whatever that video is going to be about. And one of them is this question, who is the Holy Spirit? So if we can roll that video, if it'll go. Who is the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, it's... Uh... 
God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. They're all like a trinity. Angels? I don't know. It's, it's God. I think the Holy Spirit is different for everyone. Wouldn't that be your conscience? Huh, I have no, I don't really have a, a lot of, I don't know, I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. I mean, I don't know. Third person of the Trinity? Um, the Holy Spirit? I've never even really put much thought into that. You know, I, I think if we went around in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and asked people that question, we'd get some similar responses. I think there would be some people who would have some understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. There'd be some people who would say, I have no clue, idea. And then I really liked what the last guy said. You know, that's something that I haven't really given much thought to. I think most, most people in our world probably haven't given much thought to this idea of who is the Holy Spirit. And, and we might think, well, that's in our community, but what about within the church? What about within the big C church? Well, the reality is, is, is there's a lot of confusion within the big C church about who the Holy Spirit is too. Barna Group did a study uh, of Christians, Christians, and found that 62% of Christians do not believe the Holy Spirit is a real being. 62%, that's pretty high. That's pretty high, but he very much is a real being. Uh, and that's why we're gonna learn about him and engage with him in this series. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a very traditional church. And, um, and if you grew up in church, maybe the Holy Spirit is something you heard about or you talked about a little bit. But if you were like me when I was really little, the, I didn't really know much about who he was. And, and, and the reality is the, the only thing I really knew when I was real little was that the Holy Spirit was just what you said right before you said amen. You know, like name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. That's all I knew. It's, I didn't really understand who he was as I grew up and got a little bit older, I did begin to understand and was taught that the Holy Spirit was this, one of the three people of the Trinity, uh, that, that, that as uh, one of our core beliefs as Christians is that we believe in this mystery, that we believe in one God who exists in three people, uh, three persons, I should say, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But in practicality, I still didn't really know what that meant what that really actually looked like. But I think it's important that we start with this, this understanding of this truth that the Holy Spirit is, is one of the three co-equal, co-eternal persons of God, of the Trinity. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is first and foremost a person, not a it, a person not a force like in Star Wars, right? Not a ghost in the sense of what we might think of as ooh, ghost, right? Uh, not just your conscience, conscience speaking to you, but a person, a being. Now, he doesn't have a physical body like you or I do as human beings, but he's still a person with a personality and personal attributes. I like how Diane Lehman puts it in her book, Hello, Holy Spirit. She says this, who is the Holy Spirit? He's not a ghost or an impersonal force or an elusive power out there. He's neither a doctrine to be studied nor a distant deity to be feared. He is a person to be known and loved. I'm gonna say that again. He is a person to be known and loved. He is God himself. He is one of the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. He's God's gift of himself to each of us. 
gift of himself to each of us. He makes the Christian life indescribably beautiful in a fun-filled delight. It isn't that often that we hear the Christian life as fun-filled described, right? But it, it's meant to be fun-filled. With the Holy Spirit, it's meant to be that way. And that's why I'm so excited about this series. We're gonna debunk some of the misunderstandings around the Holy Spirit. We're gonna learn how to know him better and to experience the beauty and delight of being in a loving relationship with him. And as we discover more about him in this series, we're gonna see each week different roles that he has, that he is our empowerer, and hence the name of the series. He's our helper, our healer, our teacher, our comforter, our advocate, our gift giver, and he's our revealer. He's our revealer. And I wanna focus on that last one for the rest of our time today, that the Holy Spirit is the great revealer. The Holy Spirit is the great revealer. And he not only reveals himself once, he keeps revealing himself to us over and over and over again. And I think that's really exciting that we're coming off of this 12-week series that we just spent the last few months doing, going through the book of Revelation. And as we start talking about the Holy Spirit, we're gonna talk about how he is the one who reveals. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals. Um, and really, he's been revealing himself throughout all of history, since the beginning of history, and he will continue to be revealing himself till the end of history as we know it. We see that the Holy Spirit is found in the very first chapter of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, and he's found in the very last chapter, in the book of Revelation, and everywhere kind of in between and all throughout. If you wanna put that next slide up, this chart up, we're not gonna spend a lot of time going through each of these detailed things. So if you wanna take a picture of this, you can think about this later. Uh, and this is not an exhaustive list, but we see the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, like we talked about, he's in Genesis 1, the very beginning, hovering over the waters, creating everything. He's there. He shows up at particular places with particular people for particular purposes in the Old Testament, like with Deborah in the book of Judges, like with King Saul. The prophets in the Old Testament talk about how he will come with the Messiah. He will empower the sons and daughters of Israel. And then the next slide, if you wanna go to the next one. In the New Testament, we see Jesus is born of the Holy Spirit. We see that when Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. We see he's working through Jesus uh, the whole time, doing miracles. And I, that's something that I have always found very interesting to me, that Jesus, who's God himself, the Son of God, a de, you know, the, de, the deity, the, you know, he, that he had the power in himself to do all the things that he did, but instead he actually chose to work through the Holy Spirit. He chose to work through the Holy Spirit, even though he didn't really have to, he chose to. And I think that's because he wanted to be an example for us to follow him. He knew that one day he was gonna send the Holy Spirit to fill all of us, and that through us, the Holy Spirit, could, we could follow his example. And the Bible says, Jesus says, you'll do even greater things than I've done. And, and, and I think that's true, that you need to know that if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is living in you. Whether you feel him or not, he is there. And we, and we see that all throughout the Bible, from beginning to end, the Holy Spirit is revealing himself all throughout the Bible. And one of the ways he reveals himself to us is he reveals the real Jesus to us. It's one of the main ways he reveals himself to people is he reveals the real Jesus to us. 
I'm not sure if you know this, but there are a lot of fake Jesuses being promoted out there, right? There's like prosperity Jesus who wants to give you everything you've ever wanted, right? There's, there's G.I. Joe Jesus who wants to, you know, kick butt and defeat all your enemies, right? There's, there's Dr. Phil Jesus who wants to just sit you down and talk out all your problems forever, right? There's, there's a universal Jesus who looks different to different people and fits really whatever you want to believe in. But the Holy Spirit reveals the real Jesus to us. The Jesus who loves us unconditionally, who died on the cross for us. And just like we celebrated last week and resurrected from the grave so that we can have new life in him, so that we can have a new birth, be born again, as the Bible talks about it. In the Gospel of John, there's a story where Jesus is meeting with a Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And, and Nicodemus is, he's intrigued by Jesus. He's confused by Jesus. He's fascinated by Jesus. He's got all these questions for Jesus. And in a conversation, this is what Jesus says to him. John 3, 8 through, or, yeah, 3, 8 through, 5 through 8, he says, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In verse eight there, where it talks about, Jesus talks about the wind. He's making this connection between the wind and the Holy Spirit because in the original language that Jesus would have spoken these words in, in Greek, the word for wind is the word pneuma, and it's the same root word for the Holy Spirit. Same, same word. So again, Jesus is saying here, he says, of, that we must be born again of the wind, of the pneuma, of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one. Even though you can't always see him, like you can't see the wind, you can feel the wind. You know it's there, right? You can experience the Holy Spirit as he blows on you as he reveals the real Jesus to you. You know, you come to faith in Jesus, it's not just your great intelligence that figured it out. It's not just your emotions that finally like connected with God. It's the Holy Spirit who revealed that to you. And for many people that might be a, a subtle experience, you know, where just all of a sudden some like an aha moment, something clicks in your mind. For other people, it's like a smack in the face, like powerful experience. About a year ago, uh, I met a guy named Kyle. Kyle started coming to the vineyard here. He showed up, he started coming to the church and he showed up one weekend because he had a lot of challenges in his life. He was really going through a tough season, really struggling with some things. And, um, and he, he thought, well, maybe I should give this thing church a try. Never really was a church goer. And and so he came and, and he, he could tell there was something different about this place, especially during worship. And he didn't have words for it at the time, but really what he was experiencing, it wasn't the place, it was the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was wooing him, was wooing him. And, and, and he didn't know that yet, but we began to connect. We began to talk and chat because trying to work through some of his challenges and the things he was going through. And I had a sense that Kyle was trying to figure out who, God, who this God is. And kind of, what does this all mean? And, and so 
So I invited him to come to small group at one point and, and, uh, and, and he showed up. I was like, oh, you came, you actually came. And he's like, yeah, you invited me. I was like, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> and, uh, and so he came and he showed up and you know, we, we kind of went through our typical small group routine and I'm sure that probably felt pretty uncomfortable. It was a little different for him. He'd never really been a part of anything like that before. And then we get to the end. What, what we typically do at the end of our small group is we take some time to wait on the Holy Spirit where we just sit in silence and we invite the Holy Spirit to come and reveal himself to us, to give us pictures or words or different things that he might want us to share for the group and to pray for him. And I remember thinking, well, if Kyle wasn't weirded out by everything so far, this is probably like pushing him over the edge. Like he's probably never gonna come back. And, uh, and so we, wait, we, we, we sit there and we wait for a little bit. And then we kind of say, okay, uh, did anybody feel like they got anything? And Kyle speaks up. And I thought, oh, this could be, you know, crazy. Who knows what he's gonna say, right? And he says, yeah, I think I got something. And I said, okay, what do you, what do you think, Kyle? And Kyle said, well, um, I saw this in my mind. I saw this picture and, like, or, like, and there was this guy there. And I think it's this guy, Jesus, that y'all been talking about. And there's this door between me and him and he's knocking on the door and he says, will you open the door and let me come in? is that what you're talking about? Something like that? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, yeah, you could, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And, and I said, you know, I don't know, if, you know, God, that's pretty cool that you had that picture because that's almost word for word like Revelation 3.20. In the Bible, it says this. Uh, Here I am. This is Jesus speaking. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And I shared that, I said, Kyle, that's like straight from this verse in this Bible. Uh, yeah, in the Bible. And, and he said, oh, really? I've never read the Bible before. I didn't know that was in the Bible. And it's at this point, I was like, what? That is crazy. I have never in my entire life ever seen God do that. Give a guy who isn't a Christian yet, a picture of, of something that he told the disciple John like 2,000 years ago, right in the book of Revelation. Almost word for word, the same picture, the same vision. And I asked Kyle this week, I said, I, text, I was texting him, I said, hey, can I share your story? Like, I wanna ask your permission. And he said, oh yeah, of course you can share that story. He said, again, I'd never heard that was in the Bible before, but that moment was so real, he said. The moment was so real. And that's, that, that's, again, the Holy Spirit was supernaturally revealing the real Jesus to him. He is the great revealer. And the really cool part about the whole thing for me, and I think for the rest of the people in small group who were there that night, was that we got to be a part of it. That we got to watch that all happen, you know? And because... Because after that moment, you know, I said, well, God, do you want to do, do that? Do you want to open the door and invite him in? And he said, yeah, I do. And so me and another guy in our group, we went over to another table in the cafe and we prayed for God to accept Jesus into his life that night. And we got to be a part of that. We got to partner with the Holy Spirit in that. And that's the next point I want to make, that the Holy Spirit chooses to partner with us in revealing the real Jesus to others. He chooses to do that. He doesn't have to do that. He wants to do that. He chooses to use us. 
In the book of Acts, there's a beautiful story involving a man named Philip. And Philip is just this ordinary guy who loved Jesus, but the God used him, the Holy Spirit used him to do extraordinary things. In Acts 5, 3, it says that Philip was known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. A couple chapters later in Acts 8, Philip, he finds himself in Samaria. He's preaching the good news of Jesus to people, and many people are responding in, in faith. But then uh, an angel appears to him, and he tells him, I want you to go 60 miles south through the desert to Gaza. And he doesn't you know, tell him why or what he's supposed to do there, but, but, um, but he does. He starts going that way. And, and as he's traveling down the road, he meets this very distinguished man, an Ethiopian guy, Ethiopian eunuch, who was essentially basically like the CFO for the queen. And look what happens in this story. I'm gonna read it to you. Chapter eight, verses 29 through 39. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth, which was a quote from Isaiah 53. It says then, verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And then some manuscripts leave the next verse out, 37 out, but I wanna read it to you. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he gave orders, verse 38, to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Whoop! And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. This story as a powerful example of how the Holy Spirit wants to partner with us to reveal himself and to real, reveal the real Jesus to others. He puts Philip in the exact right spot at the exact right time. Philip steps right into that situation and shares the good news of Jesus, partnering with the Holy Spirit. But from Philip's perspective, in the moment, he doesn't know what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit doesn't give him the whole plan up front and tell him exactly how to execute it at the beginning, right? Think about it from Philip's perspective. Again, he's in Samaria. This angel appears to him, says, I want you to start walking towards Gaza, 60 miles through the desert, but he doesn't tell him why. He doesn't tell him you know, why he's gotta go right now. He doesn't tell him what he's supposed to do when he gets there, and, uh, but Philip does it. He does it, he's obedient. And, and then randomly, randomly, Philip just happens to be on the road going in the same direction as this Ethiopian man coming back from worshiping in, in Jerusalem. And it says the Holy Spirit tells him to go up to the chariot and just kind of hang around, just keep pace with him, 
right? And it doesn't say how the Holy Spirit told him to do this. It doesn't say that if Philip heard an audible voice or he just had a kind of a nudging or that thought pop into his head. But I imagine as he's, as he's running up to the chariot, and this isn't in the Bible, this is just my thinking. If this was me, you know, I'd, I was, I'd be thinking, man, this walking for 60 miles through the desert is for the birds, right? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe if I, maybe the Holy Spirit's telling me to go up to this chariot because maybe this guy will have some grace on me or give me a ride, right? Like, like that would be nice. But he goes up to the chariot and what's he do? He hears him reading from the book of Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet. And I wonder if it's at this point that Philip starts to clue in, like, oh, you're not, just when, you're not just wanting to do something when I get to where I'm supposed to go. You want to do something right now. And he says to him, do you understand what you're reading, right? And the Ethiopian says, nope, why don't you hop up here and tell me? And again, if that was me, I'd be like, yes, right? And my, my Birkenstocks are giving me blisters. Uh, but... But he's reading from Isaiah 53, which is all about Jesus, right? And Jesus had just recently died and resurrected. And and so Philip shares the good news about what Jesus has done for this man, who's never even, you know, he's never met before, but he says he shares the good news and he puts his faith in him. And he's so excited that they come upon some water and he says, well, why can't I get baptized right now? Let's just Let's do it right now. One of the things I think is so cool about this story is remember where they're going? They're in the desert. They're in the desert. To this day, if you look on a map, the area they were traveling, there aren't very many bodies of water. There's just a few. Coincidence? I don't think so. I think very much, like everything about, every detail about this story is clearly like the, the Holy Spirit has this divine appointment planned out to a T. And, and, um, And then Philip baptizes the man. In verse 39, he says, then when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. The Holy Spirit supernaturally, like Philip disappears and he essentially reappears miles and miles and miles away. Philip never goes to Gaza. He never gets there. That was not the purpose of the journey. God's whole purpose was not the final destination. It was this divine appointment that he had planned with this Ethiopian man. The Holy Spirit wanted to partner with Philip to reveal the real Jesus to this guy. Something that I think is really, really amazing too is that to this day, the largest religion in Ethiopia is Christianity. like two thirds of the population, I think, some 66% or something like that of Ethiopia are followers of Jesus. Now, I know it was mentioned in the announcements, but I I do wanna take a minute and just plug baptism again here for a second. If you are a follower of Jesus, maybe maybe this is a new thing for you. Maybe just last weekend, you came for Easter. You, you, You came for Easter and you made a decision for the first time to put your faith in him, or maybe you're here today and you're hearing stories like this story of Philip and the eunuch. Maybe you're hearing uh, my, the story I told about Kyle and you're, that's stirring something up in you. Like, uh, and you're thinking, yeah, I think I wanna follow this guy, Jesus. Like, I really want to, to experience that and to be a follower of his. Um, maybe you've been a Christian for a long, long time, many, many, many years, and you've never been baptized. I want to encourage you to get baptized next weekend, right? Uh, um, 
I believe that the Holy Spirit is nudging some of you right now, that it's not a coincidence that you're here hearing these stories and, and hearing this sermon today, that he is wanting to reveal more of himself to you and reveal that he wants you to get baptized. It's not a requirement to be saved, like, uh, but it is something that Jesus commands his followers to do. And so out of obedience, we should do it. We should get baptized. Baptism is this beautiful public display of our personal faith in him. And so if that's you, or if you have questions about that or concerns, I would just, would you come to the interest meeting after the service? Would you stop in for a few minutes uh, and just find out more about it? Find out more about it. I would encourage you uh, to consider if you've never been baptized, getting, getting baptized. And, but here at the Vineyard, here at the Vineyard, you know, we believe that we are people of the Spirit. We are people of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great revealer. And he can reveal more of Jesus to us through different ways, through the Bible, through another person, through supernatural ways. And he invites us to partner with him in that. He wants to empower us. He doesn't just work with the super spiritual or the, the elite Christians. We say it all the time in the vineyard, right? Everyone gets to play. He wants to empower all of us. And so I think the question that most people wrestle with, when they, when, if they get to that point and believe that, is, but, is the question of how. Well, how do, we, how do we do that then? How do we learn that the Holy Spirit is revealing things? What does that look like? How do we learn to partner with him? And I think a great way to think about this is to kind of think about it like learning how to ride a wave, how to ride a wave. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I am not a surfer. I tried once, I took a lesson, it did not go well. Uh, I don't think I stood, I couldn't get up on the board one time. I've got bad balance. But I love going to the beach. And ever since I was a little kid, I have loved to boogie board. And, and as a family, when we get a chance to go on a vacation to the beach, we always take our boogie boards and we always spend time in the water. And I've always taught my kids, even from a young age, uh, how to do that. And here's, a, if you wanna throw up this picture, uh, there's me and I believe my youngest a couple years ago. I know it's a little far away, so it's a little blurry, but, blurry, but out in the water teaching him how to, to ride the waves on a boogie board. And the first thing I've always taught him is you have to learn how to spot a wave. You have to learn how to spot a wave. You can't wait till the wave is there. It's too late. You have to look out onto the horizon and you have to watch the waves and swells, the up and down of the water. You have to learn the timing of how waves form. You have to learn, oh, that one's, that one's gonna break too early. Oh, that one's gonna break too late. Don't, you know, you gotta wait until the, you can spot a wave building. And then when you've spotted a wave, uh, you have to put yourself in a position to, to, to catch the wave, right? You have to like turn your body and get on the board and start paddling and try to get your body up to about the right speed so that when the wave catches you, you're already going in that direction. Right, you have to, so that's probably, I think that's what I'm doing right here, yelling at Aaron, go, 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 go. <laughs> uh, you have to learn how to position yourself. And then when you, when you learn how to do that, you can learn to ride with the wave, with the wave all the way to the shore. And so over the years, I've taught my kids how to do that, how to spot waves, how to position themselves, to catch it, to partner with it, to ride it to shore. But you know what? The one thing I've never been able to teach my kids I've never been able to teach my kids how to make a wave. Can't do that. I can't make a wave. Can't make a wave, right? I'm never gonna be able to do that. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the wave maker. He's the great revealer. And we can look, learn to look for signs of him, right? That he's coming. We can learn to spot him clues and that he's moving. We can learn to position ourselves in the same direction with him and learn to paddle with him and partner with him. And, and we can learn to, to, to ride and catch the wave that he's, he's moving and creating, but, but we, we can't do it ourselves. We can't make a wave and we can't make him do anything. He's not a force we can control. He's a person, right? He's his own person, but we can learn to ride with him when we spot him and position ourselves with him. And again, it's his power. We don't have the power. It's his power. But when we learn to partner with him, we get the joy of riding the wave with him. And that's what I'm so excited about in this series. And if the worship team wants to start to make their way back up here, that's what I'm so excited about this series is we're gonna grow and learning how to spot the activity of the Holy Spirit, right? We're gonna learn how to take some chances. We're gonna learn to try to position ourselves, to align ourselves with his timing so that we can ride with him sometimes. And that might mean that we're gonna miss sometimes. We're going to tumble around in the water a little bit sometimes, maybe eat a little bit of sand, right? Other times we might go out in the water, looking, looking, and the water might just be calm and still, right? Right, uh, and there might be no waves seeming to form, and that's okay. That's okay. We can't, again, we can't make a wave. We're not gonna hype anything up. We're not gonna manipulate anything, right? But we're gonna look, and we're gonna have expectation, and we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to reveal more of himself to us so that we can learn to ride the waves with him and experience more of the real Jesus. And again, as Diane Lehman put it earlier, I described the indescribable, beautiful, and fun-filled Christian life. We wanna experience more of that. The indescribably beautiful and fun-filled Christian life of partnering with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen, why don't we stand up? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you, have a wonderful week.